listen, my name is Jack Gonzalez. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Uh, this morning, we continue on our message series, I Believe. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please check it out on YouTube and Facebook and the podcast. Get some of that in. Let it minister to you. Um, but today, we continue it on. And um, it's, it's really, it, it's really, it really comes down to being about faith. Faith. And we've titled it, I Believe. And the central passage is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, but it's about your faith. You can be standing on the outside of faith or you can be inside on faith and really believe God for the things that are around us and for his promises and for what his word says. And so this is really the whole basis of it. Our central passage says this. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Right. So that we go about this life believing God, not just what our eyes can see. Too many of us, that we just live by that. Okay, if I can see it, I believe it. But if you don't see it, then you don't believe it, right? But you still believe in the winds, even though you don't see it, right? The Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We trust the Lord at his word. What his word says, that's where we land at the end of the day. Listen, let's take a moment to pray, and we'll jump into, uh, into our next part. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity just to be in your house and to gather with your people, Lord. God, over the last couple of years with this pandemic, it's really been a difficult thing, Lord. So many have been hurt by missing the gathering. And I just pray, God, that this morning as we know you're here and we just experienced you through worship, God, but your word would speak to us. God, we got all kinds of different things that we faced right before we got here, conversations and situations and things this last week. This morning, may your word come alive and may it speak to us. Thank you, Lord. Bless your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Um, to get started, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been in a position to wonder if God was going to come through? Have you ever been in that position? Maybe you're wondering and you're waiting, is God going to come through in my situation? Maybe it's happened, maybe you feel overwhelmed, maybe it's going on right now, maybe you're dealing with it this morning, but you're in a position wondering, is God going to come through? I remember when I first got married, I was out of, no, I was out of income for five months. I wasn't out of work for five months, I was out of income for five months, meaning I was working for five months and I wasn't getting paid, but I was still working. Pastor Jack, you're crazy. But I believed that I was exactly where I needed to be. I believed that I was doing exactly what I needed to do. And so I wasn't out of work for five months. I was out of income for five months. And in the midst of all of that, not one bill didn't get paid. There was, there was a whole lot of, in the middle of it, there was a whole lot of, well, God, uh, what's going on? Uh, um, you, uh, frustration, well, God, did you really want me here? And you know the way that doubt likes to find its way into your life. Is this really the right place? Is this really the right relationship? Is this really the right thing that I should be doing? Or how should I handle this? And, and it just kind of creeps right in. And I remember getting frustrated and upset. 
I remember dealing with all of that. And then I just watched God come through. And at the end of the five months, all of a sudden, not only did the work continue, but the income began. And as I looked back and reflected, not one thing got missed. I saw the hand of God and I began to learn the lessons he was trying to teach me. You see, there's so much more to that story. But maybe you've been in a position where you've wondered if God will come through for you. And maybe you're in that position this morning. And I just encourage you, as we get into this this morning, just let God's word speak to you. Let it minister to you. Let, let, it, let it do something. Just drop the guard. Soften your heart and let him do something. Because you've gathered here for a reason. Well, I got here because I'm here. This, God has a divine appointment for you this morning. And this morning, we are going to take a look at a moment in biblical history that describes this same position. Listen, have you ever heard of the Israelites and being slaves in Egypt? Remember Pharaoh, let my people go. Any of you heard that? Or the Israelites, the people of God? You see, they didn't go to Egypt as slaves. Actually, they went there with open arms. They went there with the blessing of God. While they were there, God blessed them and multiplied them, and they grew, and they had favor, and it was really just um, amazing. Well, a pharaoh down the line said, oh my gosh, there's all these people here, and they're big, and they're powerful, and there's a lot of them, and what are we going to do? So they made them slaves, and they made them build their monuments and pyramids and tombs and palaces and all of these things. They, 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 they did all of that, and in that, they cried out to the Lord. And it was in their crying out to God, come on somebody, it was in their crying out to God that God heard their prayer, sent Moses to tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. Israel's exodus from Egypt wasn't the end of their journey with God. It was the beginning of a new journey. They would now need God more than ever before. And our perspective should always be that we need God more than we needed him the day before. You needed God yesterday, but you should need him more today. More today in every part of your life. Because once they left Egypt, they began traveling in the wilderness. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What do you mean God hardened his heart? I'm going to explain more of that as we get a little bit later. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh could not believe he just let his whole workforce right out the front door. How could I have just let them go? And so what does he do? He gets all of his chariots, his soldiers, the spirits. He goes out, he says, and I'm going to chase them down. And they're now riding in the wilderness, chasing after the people of God that he just let go. And he's looking, he wants to bring them back and bring them back into slavery. What does God do? God leads his people to the edge of the Red Sea. And it's here in the Red Sea that they looked cornered. They looked defeated. They looked like they have no way out. I have a few maps, three maps that I want to show you here just to kind of give you a little picture of the territory and the land here. Can, let me put up this first map. Okay, so they would have left here, up here in, in the upper Egypt right there, maybe in the city of Ramses, and came down across here. And then there's a point, and I'm going to read this to you, the scripture to you in just a little bit, but God asks them to turn back, and it would have been here that you hear the crossing of the Red Sea and the waves party. I'm going to explain some of this here in just a moment before we get there, but I want you to see the visual before we get there. 
Okay, so put on, put on the, the second one. And so it kind of gives you a little bit right there. When you see kind of the size of this, and this is the crossing. This is not a little river. This isn't a little lake that you can see here. This is this massive thing, this massive miracle that takes place. Put, put on the next one. And it kind of gives you a little idea how they were in this wilderness area. There's nothing here. They were cornered. Here comes Pharaoh with his chariots and all of his army, and he's bringing them here to this moment. And watch what God is about to do. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. You can, you can take those down. You see, God wanted Pharaoh to think that they were cornered. God wants the enemy in your life to think that they have the advantage on you. To think that you have no other place. The problem is sometimes us as believers, we find ourselves in the position, in the place, and we also think that we're cornered. And we also think that we're defeated. And we also think that there's no hope for us. We also think that we've been left out to dry. But when you walk with God, He will open a door that no one can shut. It'll look like there's no way out. And here comes God. Boom. Kicks open a door just for you. He'll open a door that no one can shut. Oh, it looks like you're cornered, huh? You see no door. There's nothing there available. You still don't see anything. And you're in life, and you're going through it in your life, and you're, you're dealing with the situation, and there's no, you, God, there's no door. And then God's like, and there it is. Now you do. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 22, this is what it says. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea by the instruction of the Lord. I want you to go back and read this on your own. But Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, all night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. God, God could have just said, nope, waves, whoop, like that. But he wanted to give us to it in a way that we can understand and see how this would take place. He says he drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned into dry land. He did this all night. The waters were divided, verse 22. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall on their left. Now, can you imagine? Could you imagine this? Inconceivable, but it happened. The people were cornered, no way out, no physical way of escape. And God allowed them to be in a position so that they could not see their own way out. Prime for God to do an example. You see, because when you have all these options, oh, I could do it this way, or I could do it that way, oh, I could try it this way. I, I got all these options. When you have all these options, you're not looking to God. You're not looking to trust Him. You're not crying out to Him because you have options. But when you don't have any, you finally look up. You finally say, okay, God, I'm ready to do it your way. However you want to do it, I'll do it that way. And sometimes God will allow you to fall to your lowest, run out of all options, tight in a corner, no way out, so that you might have no choice but to choose him. Listen, this is what I want you to understand. Faith is one of the most beautiful and powerfulest things we can experience in this life. Listen, do you know a lot of people would rather not have to have faith? They'd rather not have to have faith. They'd rather not have to believe God for something. Like, why do I got to believe God for something? 
Why, why, can't it just, why can't I just have it? Why can't it just be easy? Why can't it just be smooth sailing, right? But you talk to any sailor, anybody who navigates the waters, nothing is ever smooth sailing, right? There's always storms and hurricanes and waves and, and wind and rain. There's always these things. And sometimes you get a little smooth sailing, but that's life just hoping that life would just fall into a perfect place for you. It, that doesn't make it so that's not how life is. That's not the way that it works. And God knows this. So he gives us a powerful weapon. Five letters. F-A-I-T-H, faith. Because in that we activate a great power and God moves, it touches his heart. So maybe taking a little pull this morning. How many of us want God to open a door in our life? Maybe a huge door, maybe a little door, maybe some kind of door, right? There's something in your life. And so what I want to spend the next few minutes talking to us about this morning, what the Lord really impressed on my heart, is what hinders my belief in God opening the door? What hinders the belief? Like, I want to believe, but what hinders my belief in believing that God will do it? A couple of points I want to share with you. The very first one is this. When my times table, no, not times table. We're going to do a multiplication this morning. When my timetable becomes God's timetable, time passing, this hinders my belief in believing that God will do it. And let's just say it, God's timing. God's timing messes with us. It messes, it, it messes with our minds because we like pulling up to our favorite drive-thru, looking at the menu. Ah, yep, I want that one. Okay, then we order it, then we pay for it, then we receive it, and we treat God just like that. God, I prayed. God, I went to church. God, I tithed. God, I served. God, where are you at? Like, I, I did what, like, not dame time, like God, like where are you at? Where, where, where are you at, God? Like I, I did all the things that you said that I should do. Where are you? And God's like, hold up. Hold up. If you only knew what I was setting up for you on your behalf. If you only knew what I was working behind the scenes. If you only knew to the detail of the blessing that I'm trying to work out in your life. He's like, you're my child. You're my child. Do you think I'm about to forget about you? Like, I'm just, I'm, like, I, you must think that I got too many things going on that I've just forgotten about you. Sometimes we think that way. Or, or, or maybe, God, 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 like, what, you're my child. Do you think that you're asking me for a blessing and I'm going to give you rocks? Oh, man, God's probably going to give me rocks. Like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't know. There's too much time has passed. I know God knows that I need this, but he says, God's is probably going to give me rocks instead of what I need. Sometimes we, we, we treat it that way. For Christmas a couple of years ago, my kids, they approached my wife and I, and they said, hey, uh, so mommy and daddy, what are you going to get us for Christmas? And with a very straight face, my wife will tell you, I told, I told my kids and I told those kids, I told them, um, we're going to get you rocks and cotton balls. I said, you're going to have plenty of presents, plenty of them. There's going to be plenty of them, but they're all going to be filled with rocks and cotton balls with a straight face. Pastor, that's messed up, huh? 
They're little kids, Pastor. They're just little kids. You should have seen their faces devastated. Literally devastated. And sometimes that's us. Time's passed. And we're wondering, when, God, you're probably going to give me rocks instead of what I need. And we get in this moment and we get overwhelmed. See, we have a timetable. But when it moves over to God's, we struggle. God, where is it at? I want you to see what the Lord told Moses in 14 verses 1 through 3. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back. Did you see the map where he turned back? Turn back. What do you mean? God, I see them coming. I, I hear the chariots. I see the chariots. They don't look too happy. And you want me to turn back? God, this don't make no sense, God. What are you doing, God? Are you trying to get us killed? This is this. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Hath Roth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Verse 3, check it out, check it out. Pharaoh will think the Israelites, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. So God's got a plan? So God's got a plan. So God's got a plan. God's got a plan. There's bigger things at play here. See, not only does his plan include your blessing, but it also includes your enemy. God's like, I'm going to bless you, but I'm also going to remove your biggest threats. Amen. Yes. He's, I, listen, God's like, if I bless you, if I provide it, if I open the door, but your enemy is still breathing, it's not going to work out because the attacks are going to continue to come. You're going to continue to deal with the same things, and the same sin is going to trap you. All these things are going to happen in your life because, because the enemy is still breathing. The enemy is still alive. God's like, listen, I'm working this out because I'm about to bless you and deal with your biggest threats. I, I got to remove this threat so that you can enjoy what I'm about to do in your life and also so that you can give me the most glory. Because God is trying to do this work in your life. You see, Pharaoh was a threat to the Israelites' future. And God wasn't having it. He wasn't having it. But when we struggle to give God when we struggle to see what God is doing, it hinders this. You know, I love, I love the word, and you guys know that, right? But I love the word, and I love the way that it gives us insight into God's timing. And how many of us want to know a little bit more about God's timing? Because, God, I've been trying to figure out when you're going to do it. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, I want you to see this, okay? I want you to see this. It says this. Therefore, the Lord, what does it say? He waits. Wait, who waits? Do we wait? Who, who's waiting? The Lord. Okay, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Are you getting this this morning? Somebody better. The Lord waits. He ain't done it yet to be gracious to you. The reason why it hasn't happened is to be gracious to you. It says the Lord waits. He's like, hold on. No, no, it ain't time yet. It ain't time yet. To be gracious to you. Look, look what it says, comma. Therefore, he exalts himself 
Right, he's going to get the most glory out of it. He's going to make it bigger and better than it ever was. He's about to do more than you could imagine to show mercy to you. So that the whole world would know who he is. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who what? Wait for him. You see, God waits to be gracious to you. In other words, to give you the best. To handle to your enemy. To make sure that you're ready for your blessing. Oh, you think you're ready. Oh, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for my blessing. I'm ready to come up. And God's like, no, you ain't. Not yet. Soon. But not yet. You ain't ready yet. And he knows when. And then God gets the most glory from it. He wants the world to know who he is. Listen, God's timing is, is just different. And I know some of us, we're, we're just trying to calculate it and we want it to a, a science. We're trying to figure it out and math and multiple. We, we, we just, we just want to figure out the way God's going to do it in his timing. But his timing is just different. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 6, it says this. There is a what? And a, there's a time and a way. I want you to see this. There is a time and a way for everything, comma, what does it say? Even when a person is in trouble, even when you're dealing with it, even when it's right in front of you, even when it's staring you down, even when you feel like you're cornered with the Red Sea in the wilderness and the, and the enemy is charging at you, there's a time and a way. There's a time and a way. There's a time and a way for everything. It seems like there's no way but trust God. It seems like there's no options but trust God. There's a time and a way. Be okay with your timetable becoming God's timetable. Trust him because behind the scenes, he's working something out to be gracious to you, to show mercy to you. So how should we wait? How should we wait? Listen, a couple of keys to waiting, and I just I did a little research and I put some stuff here together. And this is for you, and I want you to go find some time with the Lord, and maybe, you're, maybe you just you have some alone time, but I want you to find some alone time, and I want you to go through these things, these keys to waiting. I'm not going to read these passages to you. This is for you to go do the research or go do the reading because I already did the research for you. Number one, the first one, be patient. You've seen your kids or your grandkids run all over the place, and they can't be patient. They just want it now. Can I have it now? Can I have it now? Can I have it now? Not yet. 30, 45 seconds later, can I have it now? Be patient. Psalms 37, 7, James 5, 7, Psalm 41. That, please spend some time there. Secondly, be quiet. Be quiet. Some of us, we're going through it. All we get, we're just talking about this situation. We'll go tell this person, go tell this person, we'll do this. Or we're complaining. Be quiet. Just, 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 just bring it, just, just bring it in. Psalm 62, 5, Lamentations 3, 25 through 26. Just spend some time and let this soak in. I want you to take some time alone. Number three, be in his word. You have to be in the word. Are you going to make it out? You will be in his word. Psalm 130, verse 5, Psalms 25, verse 5. Let, just read it and spend some time alone with, with the Lord. Number four, be hopeful. You have to continue to remain hopeful. God, yep, he's going to do it. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's got this. This is what he does. 
Be, be hopeful. Psalm 39, 7, Romans 12, 12. And then lastly, be loud. What, you want me to be quiet? Now you want me to be loud? What is... You got to be loud in the right kind of way. Speak over yourself who he is. And see the enemy coming. I see you coming. You can't have my family or my home. You can't have my ministry. You can't have, you can't have my business. You can't have what God is doing. You can't have it. Speak. Be, be loud. Speak over yourself who he is. He, oh, okay, okay. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my sustainer. He's my way maker. He opens doors and no one can shut. He, 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 he's the author and perfecter of my faith. He's, he's the creator. He, he, he's my father. Psalm 33, 20 and Micah 7, 7. I could have gave you way more, but I just wanted to give you a few. Let, read these and let it just kind of soak and marinate in your life. See, the first thing that hinders my belief in God opening the door is when my timetable becomes God's timetable. That just kind of messes with us. But don't let it. Don't let it. Let God do the good work in your life and watch. Secondly, the second point that I want to share with you this morning is when I listen to the lies of the enemy. There's nothing like hindering your belief in the fact that God will do it, like listening to the lies of the enemy. And I know in part one of this series, I shared a little bit of that with you, but I wanted to give you a little bit more this morning. But when I listen to the lies of the enemy, you see, the enemy has all kinds of tactics, right? He's, he's strategic. One of his tactics is lies. He'll tell a little lie, and he knows that if you entertain it, it'll grow and it'll ruin the whole thing that God's trying to do in your life. It just begins with, a, it's, 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 it's one of his tactics. It, and, and, and then all of a sudden it starts with questioning, man, I wonder if God's going to do it. I, I wonder. And then it'll lead all the way to, man, God doesn't even exist. I'm, I'm out of here. It, it, it'll lead to that. But it begins with, with, with a lie. It's a tactic. Listen, in the Bible, we don't see perfect people. I don't know why the outside world, they, they just wanted every time they see us, they think we are going to judge them because they think that we, might, we, we claim to be all perfect. The people in the Bible weren't perfect. The only one that was Jesus. The rest of them are all just as messed up as us, right? The truth is, what? who are we? We just know we need Jesus. That's the only difference, right? We know they need Jesus. They just want to pretend that there's nothing wrong, right? And so we, we know that we need Jesus. We see this flawed people who let the lies of the enemy into the camp only later to recognize, man, I see exactly how I went wrong. And we learn. We learn from these examples. But I want you to look at what happens to the Israelites as they are cornered on the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh and his army approaching. In Exodus 14, verses 10 through 12, it says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. This is this. They were terrified and what? Cried out to the Lord. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. See, it started all great. Because crying out to the Lord is exactly what we should do. Cry out to the Lord. See, they made it to Egypt, not as slaves, but they went there and had God's blessing, and it was great, and they multiplied and became strong, and then a new Pharaoh said, hey, we're going to take advantage of these people and make them slaves. In there, they cried out to the Lord. God says, Moses brings them out. Now, they're cornered in the Red Sea. God's working out their blessing to remove their enemy and bless them and all these things, and now they're terrified. What do they do? They cried out to the Lord. That's great. That's absolutely great. Life will be life. 
It's not all going to be, life is going to be life. Cry out to the Lord. But then what happened in that is that the lies of the enemy made a way in and nearly destroyed their faith. How do we know that their faith was being destroyed? Because they let their physical circumstances determine God's blessing in their life. Oh, man, I don't know where God's at. Like, it's getting bad. Like, I see them coming. I can hear them coming. So where's, where's, where, where's God and the lies which resulted in their complaining? And it's not just complaining. It's how they complained. And I want you to see this in verses 11 through 12. This is this. They said to Moses, right, they cried out to the Lord. Now they're saying to Moses. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Here's their complaining. Here's what I want each of us to understand. Their complaining reduced the goodness of God to coincidence. God's favor, God's blessing, God's provision. God had done all kinds of miracles in Egypt. God had showed out in Egypt. He brought all this and this and this, and they were dealt with it. Egypt was devastated. God showed out in Egypt. And their complaining reduced the goodness of God, the blessing of God, the miracles of God to coincidence. Oh, yeah, all that was coincidence. Yeah, God's done it in my life, but you know what? Mm, it's kind of just coincidence that I made it out of that situation. It's just kind of luck, happenstance. This is a situation just kind of like, okay, God did it. And one time you believed he did it, but now it's kind of like, I mean, I'm breathing just, you know, just luck. I mean, that's how life works. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. It, and it's just, it just happens. It's just, it's just happenstance. I want you to see the lies of the enemy. I wrote four here for you. And again, I gave you these, and I could have given you more, but I just wanted to give you these four for you to spend some alone time, and I want you to read this and, and let it soak in. Number one, you've done too much wrong for God to forgive you. You've just done too much wrong for God to forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9, not John 1.9, but 1 John 1.9, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. Number two, God doesn't love you. God is a God of love and all these things, but he don't love me. That's a lie of the enemy. Romans 5.8, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Go there, spend some time there. Number three, God doesn't hear your prayers. He must hear everybody else's prayers because you don't hear mine. That's a lie of the enemy. Luke eleven nine, Jeremiah 33, 3. Mark eleven twenty four. Spend some time there. Number four, you can't make a difference. In your situation, in, in, the, in the kingdom of God, in your family, in your home, in that relation, you can't, it just is not going to get any bit better. You can't make a difference. Matthew 5, 16 Hebrews 6.10, James 1.22-25, spend some time there. Recognize the lies of the enemy. You know the things about lies? Lies find a way to creep in. They creep in. See, lies don't find a way to creep in out of no way, right? God is the one that makes a way out of no way. Not lies, not Satan. He doesn't make a way out of no way. Lies find themselves in through the cracks of sin and the doubt that we experience because of our circumstances now let me tell you 
you'd be worshiping the Lord, following the Lord, walking with the Lord, but you still got this sin going on that you're not dealing with. That is a open door. Satan's just like, whoop, okay, I can't go in this way because they're, they're growing over. Yeah, but they're dealing with this. With that open door, he'll find a way in. He'll do it. The, the lie uh, of Satan, it doesn't go in out of no way. It has to have a way in. And the other thing is this. Well, those circumstances. And they overwhelm us, and they're big. And in that, I choose, wait, wait, I wonder if God will do it. It's in that doubts. Bam, I found my entrance. I found a way to attack them. I found a way to get them. I found a way to get them, if I could just get them to doubt God, because I know it'll start there, and it'll end with, well, yeah, no, God, that church thing, God, God I, don't, I don't do that. Like, I, I don't believe that. But it didn't, it didn't start there. It started with, I wonder if God is going to come through. Your choosing to believe God this morning has the power to change everything. Maybe you're new to the things of God. Maybe you're really brand new with all of this. Maybe you've been on the journey for a long time and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. The enemy's still trying to... Or maybe you were on the journey and then you fell off. All you have to do is begin is with belief. Just believe. Just, just, just begin with belief. Believe in him and believe that he can do it. Because he can do it more than you can imagine. See, what he did for the Israelites in that moment changed everything. They literally walked through walls of water on dry grounds. Don't let your faith waver. Don't let your faith waver this morning. Just believe. The Bible teaches us in Mark 10, 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. And we got to stop looking through that lens. No, let me see. Uh, no, that's not possible. But he says this, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. All things, all things exclamation mark period punto final that's it listen i remember the story with my kids and the christmas presents i remember that christmas morning and i had already told my kids that i was just joking about the rocks and the cotton balls i'd already told them so you know they're excited they're waking and we got a whole routine that we do on christmas morning we have happy birthday uh, cake that we sing to Jesus, and we just have this moment of just talking about everything that's going on. Then we, we move to that stuff a little later. And I remember when it was time to open up the presents, and again, I had already told them that I was just kidding, but I just kind of threw one more comment in there. And I just said, hey, uh, I, ho I hope you guys enjoy your, your, your rocks and cotton balls. And about 95% of them said, no, nah, these, pr these presents are legit, you know, and they were probably over there shaking them to check and stuff, but but they, about 95% of them believed, they're like, no, this is legit. But there was about 5% of them that were like, I was like, well, what if, what if they are rocks and cotton balls? I simply want you to beware of the lies of the enemy because they want to ruin the faith that God is developing in you the journey that you're on and it's growing and it's beautiful maybe it's starting maybe it's in the middle maybe you've had just this monstrous grip that's wonderful but satan is looking to throw you off course see him coming and call him out on it stay the course with the lord here's the challenge number one you know who's attacking you with lies we're clear about that you know who is attacking you with lies comma now identify what the lies are be clear okay yeah 
That's the lie. I know, you know what? And that one too. Those are the lies. I know what they are. If you know what they are, you can see them coming. Number two, repeat over and over out loud the biblical truth that defeats the lie. See, I've given it to you. Now go and find it and go and read it. You know what the lie, you know who's the one doing the lying. Discover what the lies are. Be clear about them because you'll see him coming. Then speak out loud the biblical truth and stand on it. Believe God and believe his word. Amen. This morning, the Lord just impressed on my heart that we just need some time, that there's some of us here this morning that just need to worship the Lord and and maybe come up here forward and just have some people pray for you. Our pastors are ready, our prayer team is ready, but we want to come and pray for you. And if that's you this morning and you need prayer, I just invite you forward. Um, if you're getting baptized this morning, that we're about to have that celebration outside in a little bit, would you just get up and get dressed and go get ready for that? Um, if that's you, that, that's wonderful. But the rest of us, we just let's just take some time. And if you're not ready to come up front, that's not you this morning, but would you just enjoy this moment of, of worship as we worship the Lord and let what we're talking about this morning be sealed in your heart. May your faith elevate and grow. And at the same time, maybe you're here this morning and the truth is you just haven't been walking right with the Lord. You don't have that relationship. You don't have that intimacy with him. But you know that today is time. It's time. You know the biggest enemy to the children of God? Pride. Lay it down and let God do his work in your life.